Hello and welcome back to another edition of It's Your Money, the Mayor Brownsword podcast. I'm Andrew Harrison, I'm a journalist and I'm also a Mayor Brownsword client and I'm here with Andy Mayer for a quick update on this week's summer statements from Rishi Sunak. Hello Andy, how are you? I'm good. You yeah, really well, thank you. Apart from the weather. Cricket's back though. That's going to be good for you. <laughs> it's good if you're a duck where I live at the moment, it's chucking down with rain. <laughs> Cricket's back and rained off, business as usual. (laughs) So the the plan with these podcasts is we're going to do these updates every now and again when something happens that's relevant to the extended Mayor Brownsword family. And this week was a big one. Sunak's summer statement, which is a bigger deal than pretty much any summer any of us has, has lived through. Firstly, Give us the top line. What exactly happened yesterday? What was the what? What are the main takeaways from it? I think we've got a a government worried about an economic decline, and I think it was a it was a strange one because I the rumours were about a wealth tax, but we got a great move on stamp duty, which I think will help. I think we've got some kickstarts for young people. We've had the McDonald's giveaway meal. And we've had some job retention incentives. But I think there's a man there and a department trying their best to work out what to do. But I think it's an incredibly difficult job. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of get into all those individual things a bit later. But it's it's in terms of there's both the policies that are being put forward and there's the message to the country, isn't there? And the message to the country was we are doing a very big thing here. We're doing stuff that hasn't been done before. Here's me and Wagamama serving up, uh, you know, uh, curry and rice. Have confidence; it's going to be okay. Do you think that's getting through to people, or are they are they accepting that? I think there's still an awful lot of nervousness out there. I think when I go out into town, there's still people crossing roads to avoid each other. And when you see people, I think there's, I think society's got split. Those who want to get back onto life, go to the pub, go to a restaurant, and move on. And other people are saying. I'm still not comfortable. I'm still not. There's still no vaccine. I'm quite happy in the house, and I'm worried about the risks. Let's get into the, some of the detail of, of this. I mean, it's been billed as a thirty billion pound plan for jobs, and plan for jobs is the latest three word slogan. He likes his three word slogans, doesn't he, Boris Johnson? Build, build, build. Get Brexit done. Plan for jobs. What's your take on the the jobs package? The, the because we've seen, you know, the, the the he's decided to not extend the furlough, um, but there'll be bonuses to to bring people back from being furloughed what do you think this is going to work as a jobs package no uh, and i don't think that's sunex problem i think there's a people have now looked at their companies and decided who they're bringing back what they're going to bring back i think the job retention bonus if everybody was brought back is going to be 9.4 billion of additional cost i don't believe that people have been furloughed will be brought back and i think the idea that the £1,000 will keep the extra £1,000 bonus if you keep people on till the new year. I think a lot of companies have now made strategic decisions on how they see their business evolving from July through till the end of the year. And £1,000 to bring a worker back on is not really that much, is it? But the question has to be asked, did, did he have any, you know, was it possible to be more generous than that? Or is, are the public finances in such a state that it's just not, you know, 1000 per worker is about as good as he's going to be able to do? The government have unveiled unparalleled levels of support, but I think eventually it's going to have to stop. And I think this is a signal that we're trying to do everything we can And it's very similar to when we started in COVID and Johnson made the speech, there will be lots of people's lives lost. And I think everyone looked at that and went, what's he on about? Because I don't think we understood the full implications. 
I think now mm. Sunek was very clear, the government support and there will be people who will lose their jobs and we're sorry, but basically there's only so much we can do because of indebtedness. So the OECD are predicting that unemployment could reach 15% of the workforce this year. And that is kind of, those are the percentages we associate with Spain or Greece or Britain in the early 1980s. Do you think yourself that it's going to reach that kind of a level? And if it does, how fast could we get out of it? I think it's fascinating because we look back to the global financial crisis and when you were reading stories about Greek unemployment levels, it looked horrific. And I think it was everyone sat in the UK smugly going, well, we're a much better economy than that. COVID has just brought to light how quickly and drastically things can change. And it really is a frightening prospect when you look at some of the food chains announcing people laid off. Ironically, Ryanair, who, and I'm sure Michael O'Leary isn't always everyone's favourite person, but the unions have actually gone in, they've seen O'Leary and they've all accepted a pay cut from the lowest pay to the highest paid to keep job retention over the next, mm -hmm. I think it's five years. The reality is of that, whilst they've kept their jobs, their real standard of living has dropped and that's going to impact on people's ability to save but also for Sunek, their ability to go out and spend money. So there is a real issue here where Ryanair's people have saved, saved their jobs, which is great, but their real standard of living will drop significantly. And their discretionary spend, their ability yeah. to, 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 to buy those things to drive the economy will, will be cut back. We'll, we'll come on to that in a minute, but there wasn't really anything in there for the self-employed. Was there? Which, and, and considering this government has spent a lot of time encouraging people to be self-employed, right from zero contracts through to the idea of if you're in a more, more of a middle-class job, well, become a limited company and do your own books and that kind of thing. Do you think that's a mistake that there wasn't something there for the huge, I mean, because you know, self-employed runs across countless sectors, particularly the arts, by the way, which had a big bailout at the weekend, didn't it? I think when I talk to a lot of the people we look after who self-employed, a lot of them feel they've been left behind. I think, mm. I think it's an incredibly difficult job to try and juggle who you're supporting but i do feel there are a lot of people who are self-employed who've really been left in very very difficult positions and in situations where there is the government support is really at an end i know there were some grants for people but i now look and think for self-employed people possibly they've been hit the hardest of any sector that i can see now one of the eye-catching things out of it the headline that, the, that was clearly designed to hit the front pages was this Eat Out to Help Out scheme in August, the, 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 the food and restaurants thing. It's quite complicated, isn't it? It's Monday to Wednesday only. It's 50% off, but only up to a total of £10 a head. It's eating only. I mean, a mate of mine said we needed a Marshall Plan and we got a group on. <laughs> and I think even the Shadow <laughs> Treasury Minister, Wes Streeting, said we needed a new deal and we got a meal deal. <laughs> so it's it's an odd one, isn't it? I mean, what do you think of this I think, scheme? I think it's a great publicity. I think it's actually been designed for, one, I think to get restaurants open and more importantly to get people who are nervous, who are terrified, who are now getting takeaways the whole time to say, you can go to your local pizzeria and a £20 food bill is a tenner i'm hoping my local curry house hussein's adopt it because it'll mean and they've they've been closed over covid but i think it's about public confidence i think when you go down a high street and you're looking in a restaurant if you're in a town that you don't know and you see a full restaurant you're more likely to go into that one 
than the one next door that's empty. And I think this is about, I think this deal is to do with consumer confidence that it's safe to go out. Now, you say that, and under normal circumstances, I'd agree with you. I'd say, I'm not going to go in there. There's no people in there. But now, I look at an empty restaurant and go, there's no people in there. Great. I'm going to go in. I don't want to go in the full. I'm not even joking. I don't want to go in the full one. And it's, I mean, where I live, I live in North London, lots and lots of restaurants. The, the, the interesting thing about this is it seems to be designed not to keep so much to keep the restaurants employed, it's to keep the wait staff employed. Yeah. These restaurants can operate as takeaways, but it's about keeping waiters and table service employed, isn't it? It's like it, it, only, it only works for eating. And I'm thinking, that sounds great. I'll have a load of takeaways Mondays to Wednesdays. It's not going to work like that. No, it's not. And I think what they're trying to do is, I think they're trying to keep staff employed, but I do think it's about getting people's confidence because a friend of mine was saying his cafe can only get a 30% occupancy rate. So he actually ran the cafe yesterday, Bond's Lifestyle, and he couldn't make, he, he still says you're not making any money because even if you're full on the new normal, you're not really yeah. got enough people to justify it, but you're probably covering your cost. And I think this is where this meal deals come in, that it's encouraging mm. people not to leave restaurants open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And again, if you've got a lot of self-employed staff, it's trying to yeah. keep those people in a job that there's enough people coming through so that yeah. they're they're paying wages they're paying national insurance and i also think it is to do with consumer confidence if people go back in people will start getting used to it but i agree with you it was like one of the things years ago you didn't walk past a pub that was empty now you look at a pub that's empty and go oh, i'm safe to go in and that's where yes. the world's changed and it is you used to think you think why is it empty what's going on in there <laughs> it is and now you're sitting there going oh i'm okay to go and get a pint right. in there now it's astonishing isn't it um so that another part with training provision, a lot of talk about apprentices, uh, subsidy for taking apprentices and work experience people on. What do you think? What's your take on that? I think it's very similar to something that happened after the global financial crisis. Uh, and I can't remember the name. Labor did. It might have been the kickstart scheme. Uh, that Was it the future jobs? Fund? You see, Dave I've, got a, I've got a job for you. Right. Employed. No, you. And that <laughs> and that was well received and it had a massive impact. I say this with the greatest respect to everybody listening, but I, it's the 16 to 24-year-olds who are expecting to leave university and get a job, expect to leave school and get a job, who are sitting there going, what is going on? Where do I go? And I think people are in their 60s who might lose their job, hopefully have got decent pension funds and something behind them. There's a whole generation of young people now going, where is my hope? And I think this kits, I think this scheme is really, really important that it works from an employer point of view, but for the young people to give them some form of hope because you've got a lot of people who've found their summer gone and are now looking at difficulty of picking up jobs. And there's a great expression that there is a, if there's hope in the future, there is power in the present. And I think we've got to give people hope. And I think this is what that scheme yeah. was aimed at. Well, there's, there's kids in my family who are looking at it going like, well, my university year next year that I thought was going to be great fun isn't. We're going to be sitting in front of screens. My year away is not happening. Yeah. My uh, work experience, my internship is not happening either. And I sort of wonder whether the government ought to be thinking in terms of, you know, impressing upon business that it's like it is your duty to employ people. It's your duty to take kids on for the for the integrity of the whole economy and the future of the whole economy. And that message, you know, the, the, the incentives are there, but it, the, there isn't so much of the kind of, um, you know, the, the, the kind of soft power uh, nudge that, like, you know, we all need to be taking these kids on. 
No, I think you're right. But I think what most employers running big companies are looking about is brutally honest. They want to survive. I think they're yeah. trying to get through. And we're in July now. They want to make sure they're still here in September and they want to make sure they're here in January. And I think at the moment, everyone's looking at their cost basis. And I do think there will be people taking this scheme up because I think the cost basis pretty much gives them free workers for six months. And I think that yeah. will encourage people to take young people on. But I think there's going to have to be a greater deal of adaptability in the workplace because I think people were thought they were going to do one job. Those jobs in a lot of it, industries have disappeared from March yeah. the 1st. We get to July, the world's changed. And those jobs have mm -hmm. gone. And I think the government is, I hope the government is astute enough to realize that certain sectors have been badly hit, like hospitality, like tourism. And I think that's why they're trying to find, the like the VAT cut. I don't think the VAT cut from 20% down to 5 will pass on to the end user, me. But I think it's allowing that sector to have a greater yeah. share of profit to try and keep them in business. And that VAT cut is limited to hospitality, tourism, and what was referred to as attractions, wasn't yeah. it? It's very much a support the going out sector. Yeah. But, I mean, as we've seen from America, reopening bars and restaurants is pretty much the worst thing you can do for spreading the virus. It's kind of, you know, when you reopen too quickly uh, and you're up again against people's, you know, unwillingness to do this. So you don't think that VAT cut is going to make, if that VAT cut doesn't make its way to the end user, how is it going to encourage people to go out? I really don't. I, I'd be very shocked if uh, a, a ticket price that was £100, including the VAT, came down by £15. I would be by 15%, I would be very shocked. I think yeah. it might come down by a fiver. And I think the businesses are actually going to try and hold on to it. And for justifiable reasons, I think they're going to look at mm -hmm. it and hope that that will give them a bigger profit margin. I, it might, some of the companies might do it, but it is about, it's about confidence. It's like stock markets. If someone wants to buy a stock, it's got more chance of being sold at a higher price than if everyone says it's out of favor. Mm. And I think at the moment, the Chancellor has tried to introduce a set of measures that encourage people not to stay in their living room and order a majestic box of wine and get some food in from their local shop. He's trying to say to them, go to your local pub go to your local yeah. restaurant, especially Monday to Wednesday, and have the confidence to go out. But we've seen with Leicester how a spike can happen very quickly and close a community down. And I think there is this dilemma for governments across the world, how quickly you reopen and how quick, and if you don't reopen, how badly your economy is going to be affected by COVID. As you know, my background is in writing about pop music and throughout my life, I've seen concert ticket prices go through the roof because people just wanted it. Yep. And, you know, it, people are happy to pay 100 quid to see a gig now or were until until COVID. It wasn't price sensitive. And now you look at it. I mean, I, I was talking to friends in the live business and they were saying, well, we think when it comes back, gig tickets are going to be really cheap, actually, because we're going to, we're going to have to encourage people back through. But it's not really a pricing thing, is it? It's a... You know, am I comfortable being in a room with 4,000 sweaty people going mad? Used to be my favorite thing. Not really my favorite thing anymore. But I think that's you know. the whole dilemma that Sunak has. It's about trying to build confidence that it's safe to go to a restaurant. It's safe to go to a pub. Mm -hmm. It's safe to go to Alton Towers. It's safe to go to West Midland Safari Park. It's safe to go to Blenheim Palace to get people back out spending money. But I think 
when you get the flashes from World Health Organization that said part of this virus now might not just be on services, it could be left in the air. People suddenly go, yeah. I really don't want to go out. And I think the Americans have got caught between this, keep the economy going and just kill off generations of people. And you watch hmm. the news channels, people who are going out in masks are getting abused because they're being told they shouldn't be wearing masks. And I do think it's a great dilemma for an awful lot of people what they do. Well, at least it's not politicized here the way it is there. At least we're not shouting at people who are having masks on in the streets. It's kind of... Yeah. I I, th- I think the American markets are... It'll be fascinating because by the time we speak in October for the next budget, they'll be on the way to the election. Yeah. And who knows what that's going to be like. Well, just let's wrap it up then. Can you... What does Finally, what does this, all this mean for people like me who kind of invest and save you know, through you, with your advice, how how is it changing what you think we ought to be doing? Or do you think we should, we should just be, you know, holding steady? I think what we've got, which is totally different to 2008 with the global financial crisis, which was a seismic shock, we're now getting huge government and central bank approaches. They're, they're actually closer than they've ever been, not just in the UK, across economies across the world. I don't think... I'm bright enough or anybody I know is bright enough to guess the outcomes. And there are moments you look and think, are people too optimistic? But the general consensus is because of the way the world is now so interconnected. And if we look at this as a global issue where everybody owes each other money, everyone has been affected by COVID, but central banks are now working very closely with governments And if we look at just the UK, the central bank here, the Bank of England, are propping up the government's desire to do things. So I think there could be some rocky roads ahead, but I don't think we're going to get this massive in terms of stock markets crashes coming that some people have predicted. We've talked about UVs, Ls and Ws. I think the road to recovery is going to be slow. I think we will fully know when his October statement is made the depth of the the debt, really, because then you'll start seeing some tax hikes. You'll start seeing some fundamental change to maybe uh, VAT long term. You might see some change to business rates relief. Stamp duty might get affected. He's got a range of measures that for October, because... When I was a kid, my favourite time of year was Christmas. I loved Father Christmas. But when you became about 13, you realised that the gifts weren't from him. They were from your mum and dad. <laughs> and then by the time yes. you get to a teenager, you worked out that your mum and dad actually were buying you presents at what we called in Coventry was the club, which was the catalogue or layaway. Yes. Getting them on tick. And yes. it, <laughs> yeah, getting them on tick. And in a way, what we've done at the moment is to try and keep an economy going on tick and eventually come october that we're going to find out what it's going to cost each and every one of us because it's like the catalog you if you can't pay for it now there's yeah. an increased cost and our problem is as a society and as a world is that the borrowings that we've all had to take to keep us going and to stop salvation and unemployment and other issues has now got to start to be paid for by the end of this year and i think my advice would be always that if if you don't know, if you're not certain about the outcome, is take a long-term approach. The portfolios have been, in our opinion, resilient. 
They've done really well against incredibly trying conditions. And I think it's just to sort of not panic because if you dive out of the market, you could be diving out at the wrong time when prices have still got some areas to go and you've sold at a loss. And it is stay patient and invest for the long term. And I, I there isn't anything that makes me could change my approach at the moment. Mm. Hold tight. So I've got, a, I've got a suspicion that it's not going to be a W or a V or an L or anything. The economic recovery is going to look like Donald Trump's signature. You know, it just goes up and down <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a man on a trampoline. So who knows? Yeah, I think that's the great thing when people tell you they know because they've seen it before. No yes. one knows. This is unprecedented. I think it's about taking educated research, doing the best you can with it. And it is the fundamentals of of investment planning you take a long-term approach because none of us know how this is going to end up Mm -hmm. well andy we will be back for another installment later to see how things are (laughs) progressing thanks again for continuing to explain these crazy times to me you've not have you been to the pub yet since everything's reopened i've actually had two pints in a pub on sunday night and like i say to you it was really weird you're quite happy that it was empty Mm -hmm. i had a couple of pints of guinness which I've missed dramatically, yes. but it is a strange, it was a strange experience. Yes, we went to one at the weekend. It was, ve- it was out in the countryside. It was very socially distanced, and I, I was quite impressed, actually. Everybody was keeping their distance, but I don't think you can really do that in cities, can you? It gets a bit crazy. But look, no. we're going to be back for the first Friday in September, and then again after the budget for further updates. So why not subscribe? to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way, Andy won't need to remind you. Each episode will just pop up of its own accord on your phone and you'll be reminded by a little a little alert. So thanks for listening. Andy, good to talk to you. Andrew, I'm hoping we don't have to speak over August because if we do, it means something drastic's happened. Yes. Well, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy what passes for your summer, Andy, and we'll, we'll talk again in the autumn. Cheers, mate. Stay well. Bye-bye. <laughs>